It's the skirt episode. This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Let's start with a reflection and ritual that just might light up your life. Danceable ritual. Washing our skirts. We all have favorite skirts. Maybe you wear yours so much that it's in your laundry basket right now. Imagine looking into your dirty laundry basket. These are your everyday costumes. Your clothes might symbolize cultural expectations, practicality or impracticality, memories, or your future self. Your insecurities, your disappointments, accidents, stains, they're mixed in there too. Next time you wash your clothes, you can try this danceable ritual. Before you carry your dirty laundry to a washing machine, breathe in as you do a grapevine step and circle it once. Exhale as you pause and do down mayas with your hips, up and over, up and over. If there's something on the floor to pick up, inhale as you point a toe and extend a leg toward it. Exhale as you bend at the waist to pick it up with mini classic hands, like you are petting a beautiful bird with each hand. Toss that piece of clothing into the basket like you are doing a one-handed veil toss and release. Turn in place once with beautiful arms, sweeping the room with your eyes to see if there's anything else that can be tossed into the basket. Lift the basket, support it with one of your hips, holding the outside with one hand. Walk gracefully like you are carrying an ancient ceramic jug of water on your hip. Make your way to a washing machine. This part will be really fun, especially if you use a public laundromat. Open the machine with one hand and flow into framing yourself with your arms and beautiful hands just for a moment. Smile. This washing machine is giving you an extra 40 minutes to do something else besides hand washing. Toss the dirty laundry in. Add detergent. Start the cycle. And as you do, start doing hip circles. Do some ummies and shimmies, beckoning the machine to do the same with your clothes. Give it a little hip bump and a graceful glance before you walk away. Thank that washing machine. Humans have been doing laundry for a long time. I was researching this on gizmodo.com, uh, an article, When Did Humans Start Wearing Clothes? It said that 36,000-year-old dyed flax was found in a cave in the Republic of Georgia. Egyptians had linen before 5000 BC, and the Chinese had silk by 4000 BC. Having clothes is a wonderful thing, and having clean clothes is even better. For a couple years, I washed all of my laundry by hand. Sheets, socks, jeans, everything. I would listen to all kinds of music when I did it, sometimes belly dance music. I practiced a three-bucket washing ritual that I had learned from the family I lived with in a village in Thailand. Clothes that go on the cleaner upper body were washed first and separately from the unclean clothes that go on the lower body and so on. This is the ritual I learned. Rituals that make things that are unclean into things that are clean, again, are relevant, especially with the washing of skirts in many communities where belly dance exists. But I'm not bringing that in. The bigger social constructs of clean and unclean are dualistic and complicated and have sometimes been used to control and demean people. 
And maybe these concepts have kept groups together, like the Roma and the concept of Marim, Mahraim, I don't know how to pronounce it. In my opinion, the dichotomy of clean and unclean does not actually reflect the shifting spectrum of cleanliness we have in life. For example, before I had a child, I didn't eat food that fell on my relatively clean kitchen floor in the U.S. even. Now, I find a nice cashew on my kitchen floor and I put it in my mouth or I give it to my kid. So things change. Another thing that can shift is the experience of gratitude. It can shift from high constant gratitude to low and frequent gratitude throughout life. With the luxury of washing machines and dryers and a lot more expectations concerning what gets completed in a day, our gratitude for finishing a load of laundry can elude us. So let's bring dance and gratitude into our skirt washing and clothes washing and enjoy life a little more. If you have a danceable ritual you want to share, please visit aliciafree.com, that's A-L-I-C-I-A, free, F-R-E-E, and click on the Facebook icon and post your ritual. We want to see who you are and what makes you want to dance. And if you tried one of these danceable rituals, tell us how it went. Go to aliciafree.com, click on that Facebook icon, and post. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. Due to my confusion with fuzzy copyright laws, I am unfortunately not going to include clips of the featured songs here on the podcast unless I get permission from the artists. The featured songs will always be available on Spotify on my Belly Dance Body and Soul playlist. The song Rampi Rampi is the featured song of this episode. Rampi Rampi can be spelled many ways, especially because it's not a real word. It's like obladi oblada, so if you Google it, try spelling it several different ways. R-O-M-B-I, R-A-M-P-I, etc. This song is sung in Greek and Turkish. The other Turkish title for Rampi Rampi is Çeririmin Ustune, which means on my tent. I believe it's meant to be told from the perspective of a gypsy living in a tent, and it's raining and God hasn't taken their life yet. <laughs> It's a Turkish folk song and there are so many versions and it sounds upbeat, but the lyrics can be a little depressing and full of struggle mixed with partying at some times. The song is often referred to as Turkish Ram and therefore dancing with a big skirt makes sense. Like all folk songs, this one has been transmitted from person to person for who knows how long and no one author is able to claim ownership. These songs are ever-evolving, especially up to the first recording. Our band, Toxim Ithaca, and our Turkish-American singer, Doa, just recorded this song, so we can actually hear the song on this podcast. Yay! There are some diverse versions on the Spotify playlist that we'll say a little bit about after introducing the song more. Rampi Rampi is in the rhythm, or ikat, if you will, 9-8. This means it can have a delicious built-in pause. I count it as three sets of two and then one set of three, which equals nine. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three. And you can make that three at the end silent. One, two, 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 one, two. It's nice, right? As a dancer, you can count it any way that's easy for you. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. That's a way to count it. Or one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, pause, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, pause. Rampi Rampi is referred to as a karshalama. 
which can be about the folk dance associated with the song, or it can just mean that it's 9-8. And Karsalama translates directly into welcome. I didn't realize that before. This Turkish Karsalama is one of the very first songs that I felt comfortable belly dancing to. And it was the first choreographed skirt dance that I ever learned from my first belly dance teacher in Ithaca, June Sini. We performed it as a troupe, and the audience always seemed to enjoy it. The skirt brought a story quality into the choreography. It was a way for us dancers to interact with each other while performing and do the laundry together in a beautiful way. And during the taksim in the song, we're wiping the sweat off of our foreheads and then we're all down on the ground together washing our skirts. And then we would fluff our skirts out, rise up, and keep dancing. I think June Sini choreographed the piece I'm talking about. It was really special. The most popular recording of this song that I've heard in the U.S. is by Turkish musician Omar Faruk Tekbilek. Sorry if that's mispronounced. And this Armenian-American oud player named Richard A. Hagopian. And it's off of the compilation Gypsy Fire, which may be why it's so popular. That compilation might be easier to get in America. Apparently, they formed this band for shows in Las Vegas in the 1960s. I would love to have seen that. It must have been so much fun to be part of and to be an audience for that show. Maybe I'll ask Richard Hagopian's son Harold about that sometime. I was honored to play in a band with Richard Hagopian's son Harold for a couple years. Harold and his son Simon, the initial musician I talked about, his son and his grandson. So they're generations of musicians. Simon was already an amazing percussionist at six years old when he used to perform with us. His father, Harold, would put a suitcase under the six-year-old's feet so that they wouldn't dangle from the regular-sized chair under the kid. The little boy would play his drum right under his father's left arm as his father played the violin. Harold's subtle directing and brilliant violin solos taught me so much about music. On to another version of Rompy Rompy. The Frankengulian version? Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that as well. This version features him on oud and also features a clarinet, which I really love. Rant was a blind musician who escaped the Armenian genocide in the early 1900s and lived most of his life in Turkey. They called him Udi, which means oud master, because he was so good at playing the oud. And it's pretty cute. Rant was actually one of Richard Hagopian's oud teachers. The musician who played the first version that I talked about was taught by the musician in the second version I'm talking about. Now, the third version I'd like to highlight of Rompi Rompi is the Rosa Eskenazi version, and that features violin. Rosa is one of my favorite singers of all time. As a Jewish woman nightclub owner living in Greece and Turkey during World War II, she has quite a life story. She saved a lot of other Jews and may have had an affair with a Nazi officer in order to keep saving people's lives. She danced and she sang in many languages and she played the finger cymbals. I wonder what her skirts were like. When you listen to Rose's version of this song on Belly Dance Body and Soul, the playlist on Spotify, notice how the finger symbols are simple, not the galloping pattern that many of us belly dancers in the U.S. default to. And the finger symbols are only played in certain parts of the song. There's no need to overplay finger symbols, as they often dominate over melodic instruments. In my opinion, it's best to let the musicians play finger symbols rather than the dancers because they can pay full attention to the music while playing. We don't ask the musicians to full-on dance while they play. I've actually never seen a dancer dance with instruments other than castanets in a way that I thought complemented the music. Skirts are a wonderful way to add to the music, like a flower blooming on a stage with a dancer for a stem. That's how I choose to contribute to the music. 
follow my playlist, listen for free, and dancing will become even easier with hundreds of diverse belly danceable songs, all curated for you and all on one list right at your fingertips. Just click on that Spotify icon on the top of aliciafree.com and it will take you right there. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. Opening a gift on the ground. Try this with any full skirt that you have. The visual effect is best when it's a 10-yard skirt or fuller and you can get a continuous ripple through the skirt. Rest your hands on the tops of your thighs. If you have your full skirt on, pinch a little bit of that skirt fabric with your thumb and pointer finger. If you have regular clothes on right now, just practice the motion. Bring your hands together. They are at the bottom of the center of an M you are about to draw with your closed hands. Now raise both hands up and separate them to make the top curves of an M, falling open as the gift of your beautiful skirt in motion emerges. Keep your hands flowing all the way through the curves of the M and all the way back through to your upper butt cheeks. Rest a fist on each cheek, still pinching that bit of skirt. Take a deep breath and pose. Very nice. Now adjust where you are pinching the skirt on the front of you to see if it changes the shape of this unfurled gift. I like to pinch the skirt a little more on the outside of my thighs. And instead of pausing at the end of this motion, continue through it, making an M after M after M, bringing your hands through the middle, over the two curves of the M, back around behind you, and again up through the middle. Practicing skirt moves is so playful. It's even more playful than using a veil because your skirt is less likely to get stuck in your face or fly off you like a veil might. Skirts are really pure fun. This opening a gift move is pretty standard for skirts, and it's beautiful. And when you incorporate it into floor work, it gets more interesting. There are a lot more opportunities to stretch and feel good on the floor than we might realize in our everyday life. Having a baby is a great opportunity to stretch and get strong on the floor while playing with them. And when I lived in Asia, I spent a lot of time on the floor. Humans can do it. When it's part of your life, it's easier to get better at it. So if spending time on the floor isn't really part of your life right now, maybe it could be if you wanted it to. If you're worried about your knees or have a hard time sitting on the floor or standing up when you're sitting on the floor, this part of the move might not be for you. There are teachers and trainers and physical therapists who can help you with feeling good about getting up and down off the floor. It may be a mindset thing here too, where you might make it hard for yourself to get up off the floor because you think you can't do it. There's probably strengthening that can happen that can ease pain and increase flexibility when you do other movements in your life as well. I am not advocating for getting hurt. I am advocating for clearly seeing what is possible and becoming the best possible version of ourselves free of self-imposed limitations and negative self-talk. Back to the possibility of bringing this lovely skirt move down to the floor. It's especially important to practice transitioning to and from the floor when you are wearing a full skirt. There's a lot of material that can get caught and then you're down on the ground dancing while worrying about how you're going to get up or you don't get up or go down as gracefully as you would like. So if you're going to perform floor work, master those transitions and rehearse wearing the costumes that you're going to perform in. I like to go straight down to the ground. My knees go right where my feet were and then my skirt doesn't get stuck underneath me. And sometimes I open a gift, I do this move while I'm going down to the ground so the audience focuses on the flowing skirt instead of my legs or any misstep that I might have as I transition to the floor. This also gets the skirt out from under me a little bit more. 
when I do the opening a gift move. You can see this all in the video that I'm posting in the show notes as always. When I open a gift on the ground, I'm kneeling on the floor with both knees directly under me. This is a similar effect to standing up and opening a gift. When I sit back on my heels and do this move, it looks more like I'm a pistol at the center of a flower and my skirt makes the petals around me. So try this move in different positions, different angles to the audience, wearing different skirts, pinching the skirt in different places, different tempos, and it will look great. I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. Quinoa. It's a curly little round grain that when you look really close, it reminds me of a big skirt. Quinoa is the seed of a flowering plant closely related to amaranth. It's a whole grain that has been eaten for thousands of years in the Andes of South America. It gained more visibility in the world news around 2013 because of food security and political reasons. The price tripled around then, and higher income countries were buying quinoa, and the people who grew and ate quinoa traditionally started either not being able to afford the quinoa or choosing to buy processed food to eat instead. Whole grains are sacred and ancient and nourishing. Processed foods, to me, it's like eating plastic. And a life without whole grains is just not satisfying and often leads to overdoing fat and protein. So in this show, we're celebrating quinoa. Quinoa is versatile and fluffy, gluten-free, and like brown rice, it also contains protein. Quinoa takes about 20 minutes to cook, where brown rice can take over 45 minutes. And it contains all nine essential amino acids. So it's an exceptional plant food, and it makes eating meat even less necessary. There's a recipe for creamy avocado, red bean, and spinach salad on my site that goes great with cooked quinoa. If you look closely at each grain of cooked quinoa, you'll see that little curly tail. It looks like the quinoa is swirling its skirt. So cute. Let's play dress up. Make you shine costume tip. Store your big skirts, especially in pillowcases or in big bags. I like to make drawstring bags for my costumes out of t-shirts or scarves that I love but I never wear. Then it's easy to bring this big skirt to a gig in that bag and protect it from getting snagged by other things like coin belts. It's easier to find your skirt too. Just like wedding dresses, there is a whole universe of gorgeous costumes that can get applause all on their own without even having a dancer wear them. But belly dance costume design to me is also about the way a costume moves with the dancer. The way it frames us, how it makes us feel. Let's get into a bigger discussion about all kinds of skirts that we can dance in and what they do for us. When we worry about something popping out or coming undone or getting tangled while we're dancing, we're not immersed in the dance and the music. We are distracted or nervous dancers and the audience can see it. Uncomfortable costumes don't deserve space in our sacred costume trunks. Uncomfortable costumes go in a memory bin if they have sentimental value or in a giveaway pile and get out if they don't. So instead of talking about skirts in terms of the music and style they match, I'm going to talk about skirts based on what they're good for and how well they work. When I'm figuring out what costume to wear for a dance experience, these are the considerations I go through. One, is the audience conservative or not? Are a majority of the hosts from a self-specified country or culture? Will children be there? Will there be drinking? Will it be a burlesque show? 
So first, is the audience conservative or not? Two, what's the music style? It might be very mixed. It might be very streamlined. Three, what's the floor like? Is it dirty or clean? Is it wet or dry, elevated or at crowd level? Is it a fire pit? Are there porta potties? Think about what the floor is like before you decide on what skirt to wear. Four, how are you going to get there? Are you going to walk? Are you going to bike in your skirt? I've done that before, bike to gigs. Or are you going to ride in a car or a bus? Five, how big is your bag? Are you bringing a little purse or a rolly suitcase? That will also determine the size of the skirt you bring. Six, the lighting. Are you going to be backlit, poorly lit, sunlight coming through? Will there be stage lights? You don't want a translucent skirt in a conservative situation. That's where I'm getting to. Seven, what's the background where you're going to be dancing? You want to contrast it. You don't want to wear black if you're going to be dancing against black curtains, right? And if the curtains are red, you want to avoid wearing red most likely. If the curtains are black, you want to wear something bright. If it's busy, you want to wear a solid color most likely. The eighth consideration is what are you doing afterwards? You want to be comfortable afterwards too. If you're going out for a drink with your bandmates or your fellow performers or you're going to be going to a completely different situation afterwards, you want to be dressed in a way that you feel good. So back to the more conservative situations. The skirts for a more conservative situation are the full flare spinning skirts. The circular hem, tiered ATS gypsy, layered even. The super wide A-line circle skirt without a bottom ruffle for like AMCAB or the circle skirt with a big ruffle like a Sevianas kind of thing. The gypsy skirts, the 25 yard, the 10 yard, the 5 yard, the 2 yard. These are the best for a conservative indoor stage. With more conservative skirts, you have full flare spinning skirts, bottom flare spinning skirts, stretchy straight skirts, and ruffled full skirts. I don't know what the ruffled skirts are for, but I've seen them lately, and I saw one that lights up with LEDs. Whoa! Okay, so back to the full flare spinning skirts, the bottom flare spinning skirts, and the stretchy ones. Those are best for a conservative gig. I have a whole article about this on my site. The bottom flare spinning skirts, like an A-line, mermaid, hippie, that can have a weighted hem, these fit easier in your bag than a full flare spinning skirt, and they're better for outdoors and potentially wet floors. Your stretchy, straighter skirts, the broomstick style, the straight, the peasant, these are the best danceable street clothes. So those are the skirts that are better for conservative situations. For not-so-conservative situations, you've got the sexy reveal options. The cutout over on the side of your upper hip or thigh. And the full double or single front slit skirts. You've got slits right on the front there on your thighs. You can also have the slits as high as your waistband. You could have them down farther in your thighs. If you're wearing opaque harem pants under your skirt, the double slit skirts or the single slit skirts are fine for a conservative audience. But if you're not wearing harem pants and you show a leg, make sure it's the right audience. And the bottom flare double or single front thigh slit, like the wrap skirt situation, again, not great for conservative audiences. Then there's the straight double or single front thigh skirt. It's a straight skirt, not a full skirt, has the slits, not for a conservative situation. And then you have skirts with side slits. They can be full, they can be bottom flare, they can be straight, but the slits are on the side of the skirt. 
Then we have fringe or translucent fabric. Again, not very good for a conservative situation if you're not wearing any pants underneath them. And a high-low maxi circle skirt, like a flamenco skirt with ruffles. That's showing a bit of leg up front. The skirts that win the most practical award, the machine washable black skirt that doesn't show wrinkles and has a nice flat waistband with no safety pins needed. If you live in a colder climate, it has no slits. That's the one that you can put on confidently at any moment. The award for most photogenic skirt goes to the 10 to 25 yard full skirts that have contrasting colors or weight on the bottom. When you spin, that's the photogenic moment. And if you do like beautiful leg poses, a front thigh single slit skirt on the side of the body that you favor is also very photogenic, especially if you have a very nice tattoo on one of your thighs that you like to show off. The award for biggest pain in the butt skirt is, surprise, the 10 to 25 yard full circle skirts. They're beautiful and they're also a pain to wash and dry and all that. Also the biggest pain in the butt, award number two goes to skirts that are too tight and they give you a muffin top and they feel awful. And Award number three goes to skirts that need safety pins to create the effect you want. It's not fun to sit there and safety pin the heck out of yourself before you perform or undo it. So those are the biggest pain in the butt skirts. A note, with a slit or other leg revealing features, be aware of what your knees and feet do when you turn. I have older photos where my knees look like they are pointing at each other when I turn and it's not pretty. So something else to be aware of if you're showing leg. What do your legs look like when you turn and when you do all kinds of moves? You don't want them to look awkward when people take a photograph, if possible. If you have a costume tip to share, please send it my way via Facebook or an email through my site. As Will Durant said, we are what we repeatedly do. So let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look goddess habit. Goddesses are comfortable and confident. Get rid of your uncomfortable costumes. The goddess feels good. Skirts that are hard to walk in and hard to dance in are not worthy of your attention. And safety pins, again, stink. Get rid of your uncomfortable costumes. Take a picture of them if you need to remember them for some reason and store it somewhere in your computer. Or put it in a box labeled memory so you can cherish it whenever you put something in that box labeled memory and you don't have to make it fit into your costume trunks every time you go in there. Or give it away. Gift it. Sell it. Get it out of there. Uncomfortable costumes don't need to be part of your life. If you have a feel-good-look goddess habit to share, please send it my way. Let's get real. Saint of Truth. This is the seventh episode of A Little Lighter. Yay! And I finally realized that I never explained why this Saint of Truth segment is here. A wonderful dancer friend of mine gave me this title the saint of truth. Probably because I say things to her that other people don't say to her. And it's not always nice to hear. I'm not flaunting that I am the saint of truth, but I am owning up to it. And I'll tell you what, the saints of truth in my life have helped me step up and help more people. They help me see what is holding me back. And I've encountered these saints in enlightened warrior training and landmark and my family and friends and even strangers. This saint of truth segment will often be a confession that is related to the show. It's a time for me to get real with myself and with you and bring vulnerability into the light. Sometimes what remains unsaid hurts us the most. Once we identify a thing that has wasted our energy and brought us cognitive dissonance, clarity is possible. That's the idea. Hopefully when I share my vulnerability, you will have an easier time loving yourself and seeing some of your own vulnerabilities. 
Forgiving ourselves and committing to doing something meaningful instead of what is habitual or expected can erase so much suffering. This Saint of Truth segment may also be a time for me to challenge a social norm that gets in the way of us being our greatest selves. With that, it's time to confess. I have not been very good about citing the sources of some of this information that I have presented in these shows. I include links in the show notes, but when I get the information from Wikipedia or individuals, I do not always give them the credit they deserve. Going forward, I will give credit to my sources in this podcast and in the show notes. Whew, that's a relief. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.